To address our new climate reality, the world needs radical solutions. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment, hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival. For more market analysis, let's welcome Chris Ailman, who oversees more than $300 billion in assets as Chief Investment Officer at Cowsters in Sacramento. Chris, always good to speak with you. Um, let's get your take here on what's going on with the Fed and their lack of consensus on where the economy is. They're kind of obsessed with making sure they present a unified picture to the rest of us, even though we know that they are in disagreement over where things stand. What does that tell us about the policy that they enact? Scarlett, you know, it's deja vu all over again. If we replayed this discussion from one year ago, I think it would be the same, which is the Fed's uncertain about the future. They're worried about inflation, so they're going to raise rates. Not sure about the pace. We now know what it was then. Uh, and, and here we are again. Employment is still strong. We're worried about a recession. Um, you know, Katie is talking about an inverted yield curve. Happy birthday to the yield curve. It's one year of being in, inverted. So uh, it's it's uncertainty all over again. Uh, yeah. I still think there's a recession coming like everyone else, but we're, we're one year into this. We're one year into this, and you point out that uh, CalSTRS fiscal year ended on June 30th. So you're at the start of a new fiscal year. How were you positioned through the end of last year, and how are you now positioned for this new fiscal year? You know, it really was a challenge. We started the year last year a little defensive. If you remember, in the summertime, we had a nice rally. Then the market bottomed out in, in the fall, and then we saw a rally, obviously, in the last six months. To answer your question specifically, we've been slightly underweight, so we've a little bit underperformed our, our underlying benchmark. With that said, we're still almost 45, 50% in, in stocks. Both U.S. and non-U.S. stocks did great last year. It's a bull market. You know, U.S. stocks are up over almost 19% last year. Clearly, as you've talked, it's the largest growth tech stocks that were up the most. Uh, but stocks were up. So we did okay, but not smashingly. I, I expect probably you know, an upper single digit kind of year. And looking forward, I think the best we can hope for is a single digit year. Mm -hmm. Okay, single digit year, not too bad. I know that your fiscal year just started, but if you think about coming into 2023, the big call was that this was going to be the year of fixed income. And so far, it looks like it's turning into just another year for big tech. Is it still the year of the bond or have we moved past that narrative? Katie, you know, I would say it's the year to pay attention to bonds and to pay attention to the bond market. Um, I think it's still going to be a mixed year. I mean, we're talking about the Fed debating to raise rates, not cutting, debating to raise rates. So, uh, you know, when I think about the, the Bloomberg aggregate index, uh, it's going to have another challenging year. It was negative last year, uh, not by much, but a little bit. The difference is now look at the yield curve last year to this year and how we're talking about yields, you know, close to 5% in the two year. 
uh, those are attractive income levels. So I think you're going to be able to like money buy and hold. In terms of trading in fixed income, it's going to be a tough year. Going to be a tough year trading those bonds. I want to talk about uh, the credit market specifically, though, because when you say pay attention to bonds, I'm looking at spreads, both junk and investment grade, that have just been grinding tighter and tighter, it feels like, every single month. Do you What message do you take from that? And do you think it actually matches up with the fundamentals? Katie, it's back to the old adage of, uh, sad to say, but sheep get sheared and pigs get slaughtered. I think that people are getting a bit greedy when they're tightening in those spreads. Uh, they want yield. People are hunting for yield. That's usually not a good sign. Uh, but I have to say, the fundamentals in the stock market are almost equally baffling. Mm. Uh, we are still seeing earnings. I mean, employment is at a 50-year low. The, the market, uh, the U.S. economy added 4 million jobs last year. So it's tough to say that investing into corporate won't do okay, but I wouldn't trade it. I, again, buy and hold for a period, but, but don't try and trade it. It's going to be a tough market. You said the fundamentals in the equity market are baffling. What do the fundamentals in private equity and private credit look like to you now, given that we are maybe going into recession, maybe not? Either way, we're going to kind of bump along this slow growth mode. Yeah, that recession, Scarlett, we said, I even said was going to happen a year ago. It's still looming out there. Mm -hmm. You know, private equity, that market is still almost shut down. We're not seeing uh, many acquisitions. You guys aren't having the classic merger Monday like we used to. We're seeing a few of those. Financing has gone up very high, so it's much more expensive than it was before. And conversely, then, we're not seeing distributions. So private equity is sitting on a lot of capital. Fundraising is going very slowly. Uh, and everything's still somewhat priced to perfection. So they're not rushing out there because they see this looming recession as well. Mm. Private credit, on the other hand, that's the other side of the balance sheet. And that is looking attractive. You know, the, after 08, the banks really stepped away from the private markets uh, and loaning corporations money. And so asset-backed loans are very attractive. Uh, any kind of loan. But again, you've a private loan, you've got to do your due diligence and understand your credit. But there are lots of opportunities. Now, there's a lot of money in that marketplace, mm -hmm. but uh, and it's fairly fragmented with lots of different players. But corporations are borrowing even at these rates, and that's attractive. Chris, 30 seconds before we let you go. You said multiple times this is not the time to trade bonds. Would you ever trade bonds? What is the environment to <laughs> trade bonds? You know, uh, Katie, we're a buy and hold kind of investor, um, you know, because I have a 30-year investment horizon. If I have to, I can hold till maturity. Uh, we're always adjusting duration. But so to your audience, that's really what I mean, is that somebody is either trading a bond in and out or trying to mess with duration or credit exposure to try and take advantage of it. Look at the, the Bloomberg Ag has been very low returns, two years ago negative, last year slightly negative. It's a really tough market to make a lot of money in fixed mm -hmm. income. Yep. As rates rise, buy and hold, you can make a decent a uh, high single-digit return, which is what should satisfy people given the risk. Chris, always a pleasure speaking with you. Chris Aylman is CIO of CalSTRS, and he joins us from Sacramento. Osage County, Oklahoma, is getting a lot of attention right now. It's the setting of Martin Scorsese's latest film, Killers of the Flower Moon. The movie is based on a book about the 1920s Osage murders. 
when white men poured into Osage County and killed Osage people for their oil wealth. I'm Rachel Adams Hurd, the host of In Trust, a podcast from Bloomberg and iHeartMedia. For over a year, I was reporting a different story about other ways white people got Osage land and wealth and how a prominent ranching family in Osage County became one of the biggest landowners here. Their ranching empire was built on land that at the turn of the century was all owned by the Osage Nation. So how'd they get it? Listen to the award-winning podcast, In Trust, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.